Hello and welcome to MacPreneur, the show that explores how entrepreneurs from all around the world run their business on Apple Gear. My name is Damien Schroes and here we go for episode 13. So, two episodes ago, I kicked off a series of solo shows that explored the behind the scenes of my freelance Apple training and consulting business. First, I've gone through my Mac setup, and in last episode, I've talked about my iOS devices. In today's episode, I'll go through what I consider the essential online services that entrepreneurs need to run a consulting business. Now, initially, I planned this episode to cover both the online services and the automation that goes with it, but I realized it would be too much. So I'll concentrate on the online services in this episode, and you'll discover how I automate my business in the next one. Today, I've divided the episode in three sections. The first one will talk about finance. The second one will be about marketing. The third and last section will be about the operations part of my business. So let's start with the finance section because if you have no way of getting paid, you don't have a business, you just have a hobby. I will kick off the finance section with uh, invoicing. Uh, for that, I'm using FreshBooks, which is uh, a frequent uh, sponsor on other podcasts and not a sponsor of MacPreneur, but I have an affiliate link with which you can get a, a free month. The plan that I'm actually using is uh, no longer offered. So it's a $324 yearly plan with an unlimited number of clients and invoices. Uh, this plan has been discontinued. And nowadays there are actually three plans, a light one, for $15 per month for five clients, the plus plan at $25 per month for 50 clients, and then the premium plan at $50 per month for 500 clients. The main reasons why I like FreshBooks, it's um, because it's easy to use. You can easily create uh, PDF versions of your invoices You can also send them by email. When uh, doing so, you can also have automated email reminders in case of uh, late payments and you can define up to two reminders. So let's say eight days or 15 days after sending the invoice and maybe 30 days after sending the invoice. The last reason why I really like FreshBooks is because it's It integrates very well with a lot of uh, payment processors, including the one that I've chosen, which is Stripe, which actually leads us to the next uh, subsection, which is collecting payment. So Stripe is one of the major players in uh, this area. The, the, reason the reason why I chose Stripe is because there are no fixed uh, monthly fees and then you have fees based on the credit card that is used. So what is really good for me uh, working in the EU is that 
For EU credit cards, there is only a 1.4% transaction fee plus 25 cents of um, fixed fee per transaction. For non-EU credit cards, then it's a 2.9% transaction fee plus a fixed fee of 0.25 euro as well. It's um, the Dropbox, I would say, of online payment processing. It, it has a lot of integrations. Uh, it integrates, as I said, with FreshBooks, meaning that on the invoices that I send via email, I can activate a payment button so that when my customers receive the invoice, they click on a link, they see the invoice, and they have a button that allows them to enter their credit card information and they can pay right away from the invoice. But uh, Stripe integrates also with other uh, systems like Xero, uh, Zoho Books, Shopify, Squarespace, Magento, PrestaShop, WooCommerce and a lot of WordPress plugins like WP Forms or Gravity Forms. As mentioned in last episode, Stripe has also a great iOS app that allows me to track the payments. I can even do refunds, total refunds or partial refunds directly from the iPhone app. This is really, really great. And um, so when creating an account, you enter the information about your company's bank account and then the money is transferred about seven days after the credit card uh, transaction has taken place. So I find it's, uh, it's actually great. Uh, it, it doesn't take a lot of time before the, the payment is actually uh, transferred to, to my EasyTech bank account. So as mentioned, I also use directly FreshBooks to collect payments. Uh, directly from the invoice which is really great and uh, then when I started the business in 2013 I discovered another solution which I'm, I'm not using anymore but I think it's worth mentioning for freelancers who may be starting uh, right now it's called Plasso Pay Me page it's a dedicated page where the customer will enter everything about the transaction, the amount, its, its name, email address, and then credit card information. And so the reason Plasso is great is because it integrates with Stripe. And so just hooking up Stripe with the Pay Me page, you can quickly receive payments. So, and um, the page is actually, it's pretty clever. It's plasso.com forward slash the email address that you have used to create your Plasso account. And so with the basic plan, which is the one that I'm using, there are no monthly costs and no transaction fees for the first 15 payments each month. So this is really great for low volume, especially when starting up. 
Now you have to pay attention because after the 15th payment, then it will be 4% transaction fees. So which is quite uh, high compared to the industry standard. Now they also offer a premium plan at $11 per month, which then lowers the transaction fees to 1%. But be careful because these are the PLASO transaction fees. And on top of that, you always have to keep in mind that you will have the Stripe fees. So it's not uh, uh, zero transaction fees in the end. It's for the first 15 payments, you still have the Stripe fees. So depending on the credit card, type of credit card, could be 1.4% um, to 2.9%. I think it's a great solution uh, when starting up and especially when someone doesn't have a website with e-commerce yet. Uh, that's that's a nice way to get to get paid, I would say, on the spot. So I had at the beginning a couple of clients who wanted to pay me immediately after a coaching session. And so even before receiving the, the, former, uh, the formal invoice, so I was redirecting these customers to the plaso.com and then my email address, and they were able to pay directly from their computer. Now, at the time of recording, I've just signed up for a new service called SumUp, which is a bit like Square, which means that it offers a terminal, a credit card terminal that connects over Bluetooth with a compatible phone. And in, in my case, it will be my iPhone 8 Plus. And so you use the iPhone and the 4G connection of the iPhone to communicate with uh, some up servers. On the iPhone app, it looks like a, a, a terminal, so you will enter the amount of money that uh, you want to collect from the customer. And then from the terminal, the customer can then use either a pin and chip or uh, contactless or even swipe the magnetic uh, portion of, of the credit card. Um, so I've just ordered the terminal. It will arrive by the end of the week or beginning of next week. And um, I decided to, to go with that solution because for the time being, I don't have a way to collect uh, payment with a credit card without the need of the computer and so the also the what is attracting with sum up is that there are no monthly fees and it's only 2.75 percent transaction fees for for every transaction so it's a bit more than stripe for uh, eu credit cards but the advantage is that it's something that I have with me all the time. And so I think it's a, it's a good complement to the solution that I have right now with uh, integrating Stripe with uh, FreshBooks. 
The last subsection in the finance section that I wanted to talk about is bookkeeping. And in this case, it's going to be quite quick because this is the part that I have totally outsourced to my accountant. So I'm actually not using any service for bookkeeping. And uh, if you remember, I talked about using YENAB, so the desktop and the mobile apps for lightweight budgeting, which I synchronized through Dropbox. So the next main section of this episode is about marketing. And I'll start here with the CRM, the Customer Relationship Management. This is an important part, I think, of any consulting business because it's a way to track the journey and the interactions that we have with our customers and our prospects. So at the heart of the CRM, there is a way to collect information about our prospects and our leads. And and then we can track the sales that we are making, the sales meeting that we may have with uh, those uh, customers, and also the different projects and what we are working on uh, for them. So it's, uh, for me, an integral part of running a consulting business. And for that, I've chosen Podio from Citrix. I have the plus plan at uh, $14 per month and uh, per employee. The main reasons why I chose Podio were, were because there is a big library of predefined applications like what I mentioned, the leads, the sales, the sales meetings, the projects. So there are already predefined uh, ways to collect uh, information. But what I like even more about Podio is that all those applications are totally customizable, meaning that I can add fields, I can change fields in every application in that uh, CRM. In addition to that, it integrates with other services, either natively, so in the case of FreshBooks, I can have a direct connection between my FreshBooks invoices and Podio, or through Zapier, which is an automation tool, which I will talk more about in next episode. Now, Podio has been bought by a reputable company, by Citrix, so I don't think there will there will be some surprises there that uh, this um, that uh, Podio would to go bankrupt or something like that. Another reason why I like Podio is because we can create easily reports and uh, some tables inside uh, Podio so we can have a, a quick glance at a lot of information, so summary information, information by category. Uh, so for instance, the amount of money that is in the pipeline, so linked to uh, leads uh, for which the sale has not been closed, those for the sale which has been closed but has not been, uh, the, the service has not been provided yet, 
etc etc so a lot of reports that can be done natively in addition we can do a lot of calculations inside uh, the different apps an example of that would be the the profitability so it's possible to do uh, profitability calculations inside an app so for these kinds of things no need to export the data to excel now having said that it's very easy to actually export the data into a csv format that can be readable by excel actually i'm doing that for the sales app because if i want to do some more fine tuning or a more elaborate analysis of um, the, the the sales data then uh, i export it in as a csv file import it into excel and then i can do a lot of uh, pivot tables to analyze the data in a, in a better way now when i started i used the basic plan which was nine dollars per month but very quickly i upgraded to the plus plan and the main reason for doing so is because with the plus plan we have automated workflows that can save us a lot of time and so i will talk about that in next episode the way podio is structured is quite uh, clever so at the top level you have the organization so in my case it's uh, easy tech then at the second level you have different workspaces and a workspace is a collection of different apps so i have a finance workspace i have a business development workspace and operations workspace and inside these workspaces this is the third level you have the apps so in the business development i have a leads app a sales app the sales meeting app and etc and then at the fourth level so inside an app you have different app items so it's an individual customer an individual sale and so forth and inside an app we can have different types of fields so here are some uh, examples so we have text fields category fields which is uh, something that for instance to track the status of a sale so uh, is it at the beginning of the of the funnel or is the sale closed we have dates we have relationships and in this case it's the relation between an element from an app to another item in another app so we could link for instance a sales meeting to a particular sale then we have a contact field a phone field email field some numbers generic numbers some uh, links or a url field an image field which i use um, for the app where i'm actually um, tracking all the different devices that my customer have so i have uh, an image for each uh, device then we have the money field so that's that 
this is a way to track, for instance, the amount of um, um, the billable amount. So it's linked to a currency so it, and it supports multi-currencies. Then we have a progress field, so it's a slider between 0% and 100%. We have a calculation field, so it's a way to make some calculations using other fields, either money fields or um, uh, number fields. Then we have a location field, so it's a way to see, uh, visualize a map, for instance, of the address of my customer. And then there is a duration field, meaning that um, we can say that, for instance, the, the, the commute time, if I want to track the commute time uh, when I do a consulting session, then uh, I can track, uh, okay, this commute took me 35 minutes. And uh, at the end, I can use uh, calculations to do the sum of all the time that I've spent uh, for the with a customer in in a sense it's a powerful relational database that is usable even with a very little technical knowledge so in other words apps can be linked to each other through relationship fields and uh, as i said ex uh, for instance a sale can be linked to a lead and the sales meeting can be linked to a lead and a specific sale. So whenever we are in any of those three apps and for a specific item, it's very easy to jump from one application to another. And the power of Podio is that calculations can be made between apps and also between workspaces. So I can do a calculation using data from an app in my operations uh, workspace and reuse this information into an app that is in my business workspace. And I'll illustrate that with a specific example of calculating the profitability of each individual sale so to provide my services, I can do one or multiple on-site visits linked to a specific sale. So each sale in the sales app will be linked to one or multiple client visits in the sessions app, which is in the operations workspace. So for each session, I will track whether there were parking fees, I will track the commute time, the session duration, and how much time I spend both preparing the session and following up after the session. So to know whether or not I make a profit on any given sale, I need to subtract from the invoiced amount the sum of the parking cost and the total amount of time I've spent multiplied by my internal hourly rate. So this rate is calculated based on the fixed cost of my business, including the, the salary. And so in Podio, I have created a calculation field in the sales app that will make additions, subtractions, multiplications 
using the value of the fields from the same app, but also from linked applications, in this case, from the sessions app. This means that actually I don't need to export anything to Excel or Google Sheets to know if I'm profitable or not. And I can quickly make simulations that will tell me the maximum of amount of time that I can spend on a sale before I lose money on it. Here are a few other examples of calculations that I've implemented in Podio. So for each lead, I calculate the acquisition cost, which is based on the time that I spend before closing a sale, multiplied by the internal hourly rate. For each lead, I can also calculate the total invoiced amount for all the closed sales. And so I can calculate the return on investment using these two numbers. I mentioned the reporting feature of Podio. So there are a bunch of reports that uh, we can do at the workspace level. And so a report is the sum or the average of a number of or money fields segregated by date or different category fields. Here are an example of reports that I've created in Podio. So it's the total revenue excluding VAT for each fiscal year. I have the revenue in the sales pipeline, so for sales that are in progress versus those closed and those provided. The amount of money for invoices sent but not paid yet, those partially paid and those fully paid. The payment lead time by customer segment, so this is an average time between when an invoice is sent and an invoice is paid, but split in four categories. So B2B consulting, B2B training, B2C consulting, and B2C training. In my case, for instance, that uh, gave me the information that the global average of payment lead time is eight days, and the quickest are B2C consulting customers who pay me in a rough, roughly six days. To, to wrap up Podio, it's really the, the one place that acts as the, the cockpit for my business. There is no fiddling with a complex Excel sheet or Google Sheets. It's accessible from a web browser or a dedicated mobile app. And it easily evolves with my business. So by adding apps, adding fields, adding calculations and adding reports whenever needed. And then there's another very important piece that I'll cover next time, the automated workflows that allow me to save really a significant amount of time. And if you couple that with the Zapier integration, uh, that's really a great combo to, to save a lot of time. There, there is still a facet of Podio where it's not that good and that's the integration with email. So technically it's possible that for each app you get a dedicated private email address allowing you to create an item in an app when you send an email to that specific private email address. 
in practice it's not really uh, usable and in in my case what i would like to have is to collect the email communication that i have with my customers and to do that in podio it's not really easy there are third-party services that can do that which usually you need to pay for and uh, i looked into it and i thought okay if i i didn't want to depend on another service for that so in the end what i've decided to do is that for email communications i would use a separate service for crm if you want and uh, i've chosen a streak which is a, a lightweight crm so that allows me that inside gmail using streak i can group emails together so for instance when i have specific marketing uh, campaigns then i can track all those emails and attach those to a specific uh, campaign i also have projects and so for each of my customers i create a project in a streak for which then i can track and attach the different emails that are related to that project so at the end of the day if i want to see all the emails related to a project i don't need to create a, a label or something like that i use actually streak to do that and what is nice with streak is that it also can uh, work as a as a pipeline it gives you a little bit of a, a status so for instance for the marketing campaign i have different stages so i have the idea stage the research stage the preparation stage the campaign started stage and then the campaign ended stage and so for the different campaigns i can change the status and and so see which campaigns are at which stage of the pipeline and all of this inside gmail which leads me to the next subsection of the marketing section which is mail contact and calendar so i've already mentioned that a couple of times that i'm using g suite for my business and which is uh, about three euro per user per month and so it's nothing else than the business offering of gmail google calendar and google contact but with the added protection regarding gdpr so with g suite in the terms of service we actually sign a data processing agreement and so with g suite we are fully gdpr compliant which is not necessarily the case with the consumer version of gmail for instance and putting aside gdpr we get all the benefits of gmail google calendar and google contact 
which means that we can create groups, uh, labels, filters, and then it uh, also integrates very well with other services. Now talking specifically about Gmail and email communications with my clients, there are two features that are missing from Gmail. The first one is uh, to delay the sending of an email and the second one is to track the receipt, so do, to have a read receipt capability. And for that, actually, I'm using Streak. So in addition to being a lightweight CRM, it also provides these two functionalities. So I can write an email in the evening, for instance, but then program the sending of the email for the next uh, morning. And in addition to that, we can also get a read receipts capability with Streak. Now, to work, the client of the customer needs to support HTML emails because the way it works is that there is a, a small image, like a, like a pixel-wide image, embedded in the email. And so whenever that image is open by the browser or the email client of the customer, this sends a trigger to Streak to let the service know, to let me know if the email has been opened. Now, there are cases where the email client does not support HTML, so it's only accepting plain text. And in that case, the, the customer may read the, the, my email, but there won't be any trigger for this uh, read receipt. The other alternative, the other possibility is sometimes an email client can block by default the download of images. So it downloads the text of the email, but not the images. And so in, in that case, for instance, uh, somebody can read an email, but not trigger the read receipt. So it's not 100% accurate, but it gives me that in, in most cases a good idea whether the, my customer has seen an email or not. And the most important for me is to know whether or not I need to follow up because it happened in the past that some of my emails ended up in the junk folder of my customers. So if I see that after two, three days, there is no read receipts and then three, four days, still no read receipt, then uh, either I, I send another email or then I contact uh, the customer via uh, telephone to, to make sure that uh, he has seen uh, my communication. And in terms of pricing, I'm using the personal uh, free version of Streak. So everything that I talked about is included and there is a maximum number of tracked emails, which is 200 tracked emails per month. So for the time being, I didn't see the need to upgrade to another plan, the professional plan, which would be at uh, $49 per user per month. Now there is something that's trick 
doesn't do even the, the paid version and that is really reminding me to follow up on some emails so you remember i talked about sometimes uh, after three four days i don't have any response and so for that i use another free tool called boomerang for gmail and with a boomerang i can actually decide when i get notified and based on certain criteria so i can say for instance notify me if in four days there is no reply and in that case the notification is nothing else than putting the email that i sent back into the inbox and even though boomerang also offers delayed sending i'm not using it because the free version only covers 10 emails per month so that's uh, usually not enough for me there is though another feature of boomerang that i like a lot uh, from even from the free version and it's called the boomerang respondable so it's a analyze it's a way to analyze the likelihood of getting a response from your email and so it analyzes things like the subject length the word count the number of questions that you have put in your email and also it's analyzing the the vocabulary that you're using and so it will give you a score on the readability on the, the reading level of your email and based on that obviously it's it's working uh, only with english written email it doesn't work with french in my case for instance but then it will give you a score and uh, the score will let you know whether or not you should tweak a little bit your email because maybe your subject is too too long or maybe there are too many words in your email or maybe not enough uh, words and and so it's a it's a nice tool that i and i that i use from time to time well that i use when i need to send a, an email in english now there's another aspect of a consulting business that is quite important and can take quite a lot of time and it's setting appointments with customers and so for that i'm using a service called calendly which allows me to create predefined slots that i can allocate uh, throughout the weeks for different kinds of appointments so i have different slots for instance for 30 minutes phone call or for uh, different uh, consulting sessions and so whenever i receive an, an inquiry from uh, a new customer for instance or a prospective customer then i reply with this uh, link in the email that will allow the, the prospects to find the most suitable time in my calendar and that avoids the back and forth between suggesting different time slots and so on so it's really a way to to save time and to reduce the amount of emails between uh, you and your customer
what I like the most about Calendly is that it integrates with multiple calendars. So in my case, I have hooked it up with both my professional calendar, so the G Suite calendar for EasyTech, but also my personal calendar. So it means that even if there's nothing in my professional one, but maybe I have a, a doctor's appointment for my daughter in the afternoon, then uh, thanks to this integration, the, the slot that was supposed to be available for with uh, via Calendly will show that it's actually not available by checking with my personal calendar as well. And whenever a customer uses a slot, so books a slot, then the slot is also, also automatically added to my professional calendar. So there is a, a two-way synchronization between the Calendly and the Google Calendar. The next thing that I'd like to talk about is the online presence, which is an important part of marketing. And it starts usually with a domain name. So for that, I'm using actually two registrars. The, the first one is Hover for the .com, which uh, I like a lot and because the user interface is simple and easy to, to understand and they have reasonable uh, prices as well. Unfortunately, they don't provide the local Luxembourg domain name, so the .lu. And so for that, I'm using another service called EuroDNS, which I discovered when I started the business and uh, I like a lot as well. In terms of web hosting, easytech.lu is hosted using Squarespace and I have a business plan which is uh, 24 euro per month. So the reason why I upgraded from the basic plan was that uh, instead of having maximum 20 pages, now I have an unlimited number of pages. And on the e-commerce side of things, I only have 2% transaction fee versus 3% transaction fee before. And in addition to the basic plan, I have some additional sales and conversion metrics, which, to be honest, actually I don't look at it a lot. Now for Macpreneur, I'm hosting it using StudioPress, which is roughly at the same price, so 24 euro per month. Well, I need to say which was at about the same price because very recently uh, Studio Press has been acquired by WP Engine and so the minimum price for the hosting will now uh, bump to about uh, 35 euro per month. So it will be a, a, a little bit more. And Studio Press is nothing else than a, a WordPress site, but running on the Genesis framework. So it may be a bit too technical here, but 
it's, it's a way to make the WordPress site look even prettier than what it can be uh, natively. Now, one of the reasons why we have a website is that so our customers or prospects can contact us. So for that, it's better to have online forms. So yes, where's Squarespace and StudioPress, they offer built-in uh, different built-in online forms. But I've subscribed to a service called Wufu, W-U-F-O-O, which uh, is for me costing roughly $130 per year. But the advantage of Wufu is that you can really customize it a lot. And what I like the most is actually to the ability to have conditions. So meaning that based on the answer or what the, the, the prospect, the lead has ticked on the form, there may be additional questions that will appear based on what the, the customer has chosen. So in my case, for instance, whether the customer is interested in training or consulting, then the last part of the online form will be different. And it integrates very well with uh, Squarespace and uh, WordPress. So it's, they have uh, embed codes which work very well with uh, those websites. Now for simple forms, I don't use Wufu because I'm limited with... Uh, with the number that I can do for the for the price point that I'm paying. So for all the other forms that I need, then I'm using Google Forms because I have a G Suite account. I can uh, create an unlimited uh, number of uh, Google Forms. And the advantage of Google Forms is that the data is automatically uh, populating a Google Sheet, a Google Spreadsheet. So I like uh, Google Forms a lot. They have made uh, quite a lot of uh, improvements versus the earlier versions of uh, four or five years ago. And now you can really do some pretty uh, questionnaires using uh, Google Forms. The next thing that I'd like to talk about is email marketing. And here I have chosen ConvertKit mainly because compared to the competition, they are user-centric rather than list-centric. So in other words, with ConvertKit, you never pay twice or three times for the same subscriber. What you pay for is the number of subscribers that you have. Now, a subscriber could be tagged or attached to different sublists that you may have. Now contrast that with MailChimp where imagine that you have the same subscriber in three different lists. Now with MailChimp you would have to pay three times for that one subscriber. With ConvertKit, no, you just pay for every subscriber once. Now, a subscriber can be attached to different lists. 
And uh, what I like a lot about ConvertKit is that in addition to offering email marketing and uh, automation, you can also build forms, so lead uh, magnet forms. And so, and those forms are embeddable in WordPress or Squarespace. So there is no need to purchase an additional service like lead pages, for instance. Everything is included in the price of ConvertKit. Now, unlike MailChimp, ConvertKit does not offer any free plan. So you have to pay right away. And the starting point is $29 per month for up to 1,000 subscribers. And for that, you get an unlimited number of emails. So there is no cap in the number of emails that uh, you can send with the platform. One of the greatest features of ConvertKit is the ability to tag subscribers. And afterwards, when you send emails, you can easily filter the emails using the tags. And in some cases, you can even do some conditional text. So imagine that you have your generic email that you want to, to send, but then you can put inside the email, if the subscriber has, has this tag, then you write this kind of text. So for instance, for past customers, I may offer a, a discount code or something like that, but this the, will not appear for non-customers. So for subscribers that are not tagged as customer. So this means that you don't need to send different campaigns based on the customer type. You can send one campaign and the body of the email will change depending on the tags that are associated with the subscriber. This is a, a feature that is available in usually more expensive offerings like Infusionsoft, but you get it at a much lower price with a ConvertKit. So this is really ideal for consultants, for bloggers, for podcasters, for people who don't necessarily have a lot of money to spend on email marketing, but yet want a fully featured and automatable uh, system that is really robust and easy to use. Now, the last thing that I wanted to talk in the marketing section is about social media marketing. So I've already talked uh, in previous episode that I'm using Feedly to collect some blogs that I'm following and being able to centralize the, the latest posts from blogs that I want to, to read. And so from Feedly, I have the ability then to put some of the articles in Pocket, which is the other service that I use. And also with, with Pocket, it's a read later service if you want. And so for the sub part of the different articles, 
that are in pocket. Some of them I will read and some of them I will decide that I want to post and, and share on social media. So uh, I use that uh, as a way to curate uh, content from other sources and then reshare that content on my EasyTech uh, Twitter and Facebook account. And for that, I'm using a service called Buffer. I use the, the paid plan of Buffer, which is uh, $10 per, per month. And with uh, that plan, I can schedule up to 100 posts for the different services, so different social media accounts that I have. So 100 posts for my Twitter accounts, 100 posts for my Facebook accounts, 100 posts in the buffer, in the queue for my LinkedIn account. Um, now, when posting things on social media, it's also important to have nice images. And for that, I'm using a service that was that is provided by Buffer, but it's called Pablo. Pablo by Buffer, so it's at pablo.buffer.com. And that's a free and easy way to find images, free and uh, free images, no copyright images, on top of which you can put some text, the logo of your company or a thumbnail with your, uh, with your profile picture. And if you follow me or if you follow EasyTech, you will notice that from time to time I repost some of my Quora answers and in the bottom right corner you will see my profile picture. And so I'm using Pablo to generate those uh, nice cover images. There is There are also filters that you can apply. So, and it's, uh, it's free and it's uh, very easy to use. Now, Pablo is using banks of freely available uh, pictures and the sources for those pictures are pexels.com, P-E-X-E-L-S -E and uh, Pixabay, P-I-X-A-B-A-Y. So those are the two other sources that from time to time I go and search for images which are totally free to use, no copyright, which is great uh, if we don't want to pay for images. Now for the new year and uh, Christmas uh, greetings, I use a paid service called Shutterstock. And so with Shutterstock, I have bought the license for up to five images Per year so every year I can download up to five images for which I pay a, a license to use commercially in the next section I'll cover the online services that I use for the operations side of my business and I will start with uh, cloud storage so because I using G Suite I have uh, 30 gigabytes of Google Drive uh, storage. And so 
because I have this, I, I use it a lot. Now, in addition to that, I have 200 gigabyte of iCloud Drive storage that I uh, have for 2.99 euro per month. And the main reason why I use uh, iCloud Drive is for iCloud photo library and for the backup of my iOS devices. And the the side benefit of having some iCloud storage is that um, I can also synchronize all my iWork files, so the pages, the keynote files, and so on. And so it's a <laughs> it's a nice plus. Now in terms of project management, I'm using two tools. The first one is Todoist Premium, which uh, costs about 32 euro per year. So it's not a lot of money. And with uh, Todoist, then I can track and keep uh, all the tasks that I have for the different uh, projects, whether it is personal for the family or even the business. And the reason why I bought the premium subscription is because it gives me the ability to attach files to the different tasks. I can have mobile and email reminders. And in addition to that, we can also have location-specific alerts. So whenever I am near a certain DIY shop in Luxembourg, I can get a a reminder or I can get an alert if I need to buy something in that specific shop. And the premium version offers as well some filters, some custom filters, as well as a project uh, template. And uh, most importantly, it integrates with automation tools like uh, IFTTT or Zapier, which I will talk about in next episode. There is another project management tool that I use a lot and it's called Trello. It's free and it's a way to manage projects using what is called uh, the Kanban Kanban boards. So these are visual planning boards with different columns. And for instance, on the left, you have the things to do. In the middle column, you have the things that you are currently doing and then on the right you might have a, the, a column that is that is for the done tasks so this is the the most basic kanban board that you can have a, to do a doing and done now in the case of the macpreneur podcast for instance now i have a different workflow so the first column is scheduling then i have recording editing publishing and promoting so I can quickly visualize which episode is in uh, which column and for each episode there is a card that is associated and inside that card I can have checklists and this is great because it's a way to document my process and so I have a pre-show checklist and a post-show checklist an editing checklist and a promoting checklist so a list of tasks 
that I need to do and not forget whenever I'm taking care of a podcast episode. And the same applies for consulting sessions for my business. So whenever I have a consulting session, there is a card that uh, is created in my sessions board with different checklists. So before the consulting visit, during the consulting visit, after the consulting visit and so on. So it's a way for me to make sure that I follow a consistent process. Now in the next subsection, I uh, will talk about security. And the first service that I really want to talk about is called 1Password. It's really the, the best way for me to manage all the passwords, the user accounts, my uh, software licenses and so on in a very secure yet synchronized and available everywhere a protected vault, electronic vault. And uh, I started with the normal version of 1Password, so where I synchronized myself the vault using uh, Dropbox. But then uh, for EasyTech, I uh, jumped on the 1Password for Teams bandwagon. And so I have a license of uh, 1Password for Teams even though I'm the only one for the moment, at least I, I know that uh, whenever I will get uh, a virtual assistant or uh, have more staff, then I'm uh, well prepared to have a, a good password management uh, system for my company. Another tool that I use on a daily basis is called Boxcriptor. And I have the business license, which costs 72 euro per year. And what Boxcryptor allows me to do is to encrypt the files that I store on Google Drive for, from the G Suite account. And the main reason I do that is to be compliant with uh, GDPR, or at least it helps me a lot because whenever data is encrypted somewhere then uh, it gets out of the scope of uh, GDPR and so as soon as you have encrypted data it's uh, easier to tell the um, data protection agency in your country look yes I have personal data on Google Drive but the data is fully encrypted, so there is no risk of having the, any data leaks, even if somebody hacks the Google account. And with Boxcriptor, as I've already mentioned in the previous episodes, there are some uh, iOS apps and Mac apps that allow to quickly access the encrypted files from the finder on the Mac or from my iPhone or my iPad. Where things get a bit more complicated is when trying to access Boxcriptor protected files from a web browser. So for instance, by logging to drive.google.com. In that case, a special extension that is unfortunately only available with Google Chrome. 
So you need to use Google Chrome to access the cloud storage provider that is protected uh, with Boxcriptor. And in the extension, you enter your Boxcriptor credentials. And what happens is that you will see the encrypted folders and files will be uh, highlighted in yellow and the encrypted names will actually show unencrypted from uh, from the web browser that's uh, it doesn't work unfortunately with uh, safari but at least with uh, google chrome it's uh, working and it's a way to see the files uh, even from a web browser Another tool that I use for security purposes is called Wispy, and so it's W H I S P L Y, and it's a, an additional service provided on top of Boxcriptor. It's actually the same people who do Boxcriptor; they offer Wispy, and if you want, it's a way to send files, sensitive files via an encrypted uh, link. Well, imagine it's a bit like WeTransfer, except that uh, all the files are encrypted using uh, Boxcriptor technology and the files are not hosted on a server that you don't control, but you can choose to host those files either in a uh, Google Drive or in OneDrive. And in addition to encrypting the data with uh, Boxcrypto technology, but also having the data on your own cloud storage provider, you can decide the method of protection. So for instance, I can send a link to a customer, but in addition to having the files being totally encrypted, I can have an additional um, protection via a pin code or via a password. And on top of that, I can even specify for how long and how many times the files can be downloaded. So I could even restrict to say this link is valid only once. So whenever the customer clicks on the link the next time the link will not work or I could say this link is only valid for the next three days and the last service in the security subsection is TunnelBear so it's the virtual private network service of choice which cost me roughly $50 per year and allow me to fully encrypt the communications between my mobile devices and uh, TunnelBear servers whenever I'm connecting to a Wi-Fi which I don't control or which I cannot explicitly trust. The next subsection is all about backup. And so the first online service that I've already mentioned a couple of times is called Backblaze, uh, also costing roughly $50 per year per computer. So in my case, with Backblaze, I'm doing the backup of my iMac as well as all the USB drives 
connected to my iMac, so my multimedia files. Because I'm using a G Suite and it's an important part of my business and so important data is stored there, the backup of my G Suite data is very important. And so if you think about it, usually the, the data that is synchronized is Google Drive. So usually we have a, a copy of the PDFs or the, in my case, the box encrypted encrypted data is available on my Mac. But what about the contacts? What about the emails? So for the emails, for instance, one way to to have a copy would be to use the native mail client. But I decided to use another tool called Mailplane, and so I don't have that uh, possibility. So what I'm actually using is a service called Backupify for G Suite. And so with Backupify, I have a complete backup snapshot of all the G Suite data. And that gives me the peace of mind that if there is an issue or a glitch on Google server, at least I have a backup copy somewhere. Now, I used that service uh, before I now have the Synology NAS. And so I've seen that with Synology, it's possible to do and to replicate a backup service for G Suite. So I will investigate and see if it uh, makes sense to actually host the backup of my uh, G Suite uh, data directly on my uh, Synology NAS, which, which is at home and so in my office. And so maybe it's a even better solution, but um, I still need to to test it and to evaluate it uh, before I can give a recommendation on that. And uh, so in the operations section, there is another subsection that I called education. And in that uh, subsection, I have two services that I use. The first one is called uh, lynda.com, which for roughly, well, for about 20 euro per month gives me access to a big, a large library of online uh, courses. So it it allows me to, to stay uh, up to date and to follow the evolution of technology by following courses or in the case of MacPreneur, for instance, because I, I never had the opportunity to use WordPress before. So I was able to access quickly a WordPress for beginners course as well as some uh, Genesis uh, framework online courses on lynda.com. Um, another service that I've used and actually I'm, I'm using only when I need it, it's called itpro.tv. And so what itpro.tv allows me and helps me with is to prepare for Apple certifications. So they have a few online courses that help for the preparation 
of the different Apple certified support uh, professionals. And so when I passed the exam last year, so before I passed the exam, I followed the course on IT Pro TV and it was really very useful to have a video version of the preparation for the the exam which uh, which I passed successfully last year. Now IT Pro TV is a bit more expensive than lida.com it's uh, $57 per month and so because I only need it at certain times of the year I uh, subscribe when I need it and then I cancel my uh, subscription just after the exam. And that leads us to almost the end of the episode. So in next episode, I will talk about two services that I use for web automation, and namely IFTTT and uh, Zapier. But before I conclude this episode, there are two segments that I like to have in the show. The first one is about the, the things that I've discovered, some aha moments, recent aha moments. And there was one very recently, and it's a policy change that occurred for major social media platforms, so namely Twitter and Facebook. So for instance, for Twitter, it's not allowed to schedule the same tweet on multiple profiles at the same time. And so when I was using Buffer, before I was tweeting, I was scheduling tweets that would go both to my personal Twitter profile and my EasyTech Twitter profile. But now it's not allowed anymore to have the same tweet for two different uh, accounts. For Facebook, they actually banned the use of automation to schedule posts for personal uh, profiles, meaning that if you happen to, to follow me on uh, uh, Facebook, so my personal uh, Facebook profile as well as the EasyTech uh, Facebook page, I was posting some core answers that I uh, was doing. And uh, now since the 1st of August, you will see that there is no core answer posted on the public uh, on the personal profile because of this uh, uh, new uh, change in the policy for Facebook. So I can only use Buffer to schedule posts that will be published to my EasyTech uh, Facebook page, but not my personal profile anymore. In terms of another segment, which is the the things that I would like to upgrade or buy. So since StudioPress has been acquired by WP Engine, I am actually in the middle, in the process of migrating MacPreneur.com from StudioPress servers to WP Engine servers. And I'm about to start another migration. And in this case, it's about my 1Password vaults on 1Password for Teams. So for the time being, my vaults are hosted on US servers. But because of GDPR, 
I actually would prefer to have them on uh, European servers. And it's possible now to get uh, one password for team account that for which the vaults are stored on EU servers. So the, the migration process is a bit uh, cumbersome. I need first to create a new account, a trial account on uh, onepassword.eu and then recreate all my vaults. Once I will have recreated all the vaults, I have to add the this EU account to the OnePassword app, either on my Mac or on my phone. I think I will do it uh, on my iMac. And so I will be able to see the vaults that are on the US servers that are filled with passwords and the vaults on the EU servers, which are fully empty. And then manually, I will have to select and move the passwords from the US servers to the EU servers. And once that step has been done, then I need to contact um, a one password representative, somebody from uh, support that I can that I contacted a few weeks ago. And uh, that person will then switch my billing information and uh, the plan so that uh, I will get uh, the plan, the correct plan on the on my EU account. And then I will be able to completely shut down my one password uh, US account. So I hope uh, this third solo show has been uh, valuable for you somehow. As uh, usual, all the links will be in the show notes available at macpreneur.com forward slash episode 13. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, leave a rating or review by visiting macpreneur.com forward slash iTunes. And for questions, comments, and if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please visit macpreneur.com forward slash contact. In next episode, I'll go through some of the automations that I've put in place in order to free up valuable time that I can use for myself, my family, and my business. So that's it for today. And until next time, I am Dan Schroes, wishing you a great day.